I want to yearn for you. That passion that's deep in our souls. That's the purpose that the Lord has given us. We talked about that last week with why are are we here? Why do we live? Why do we exist? Today, we're going to talk about the purpose of our church, of one church. And um, you can kind of say this is kind of like a state of the church address, if you would, because um, this is not going to be a typical sermon. Um, But I'm going to share some things that's burning in my heart and my passion, Um, that what the Lord has done so far and what I think he has in store for us here at One Church in 2008. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life in such a way that I miss the mark at the end. I don't want to exist for 65, 70, 75 years as a person and get up to heaven and God said, you know, you'd missed it. As much as I think that we can miss as a person individually, I believe we can also miss it as a church. I don't want us to get up to heaven and say, you know what, one church was great, one church was good, you had great music, Um, the pastor was a little goofy, but you just didn't do it. You missed my heartbeat. You missed the mark. I want to let you know what our mark is. Because a year, even a year and a half ago, as I was praying and a group of people were praying about starting a church in North Clarksville, we had this on our hearts. We had this on our minds, and it's our mission statement. Every Sunday morning when you come up and you get a bulletin, um, on the back, the very top, it has our mission statement. If you would, take these out. If you don't have one, um, this is going to be on the screens behind me. And I want us to say this mission statement together. It talks about the reason why we do what we do says this. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's read this off the screen. To lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we do what we do. And I want you to dwell upon those words just for a sec. Let them sink down deep. Because the reason why we're here is not to build a great denomination or to build a building or to just create programs to keep people busy because you're busy enough. The reason why we are here, the reason why people get, a, get here at 6.15 on Sunday mornings to set up and to tear down and to get out of here by noon, the reason why we do that is not because we don't have anything better to do. How many of y'all just don't have nothing to do? Okay, no one's raising their hand. All of us are busy. The reason why we do what we do is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ because we believe God is a loving God and God wants to have a relationship with everyone. To lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's say it again to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Without apology, we are always focused on the people who are not yet here. Because six months ago, 
None of us was here. You know what I mean? We've been going for four months. So six months, we were twiddling thumbs. All right? Some of you were cleaning out your garage, reorganizing your billbox, whatever people do on Sunday mornings. All right? But six months ago, we weren't here, and we said we're going to be a church that's focused on people who are not yet here, about the seats who are empty, because we believe that God loves everyone and that the church should love everyone. That's the reason why we have community groups, so that people can get in a relationship with other people and God. That's the reason why we have one-way street for our children, so that we believe the best thing for your children is for them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and for it to be fun in church. Those two can't go together, right? Fun in church? I believe they can. All right? That's the reason we have one element, our student ministry, because we believe teenagers, the best thing they can have in their life is to have not a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the reason we do what we do. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus talks about what he came to do. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says this, Jesus went. Somebody say that with me again. Jesus did what? Jesus went. Jesus just didn't wait for them to come to him. Jesus went out. Jesus went through all the towns and all the villages teaching in their synagogue. That's like the Jewish church. Now notice what Jesus did not do. He did not say, hey, um, let's raise a million dollars and let's have a building campaign and y'all come to us. That's not what he did. He didn't rent a tent and, uh, and, and put out singles welcome. He didn't do that. He didn't do anything like that. He went out to them. He went to them. You see, the best part about one church is when we're not here on Sunday morning. Because you go out. You are out into the community. And you can reach people that I can never reach. Because they're in your community and you're in theirs. You're in their environment. Jesus went out. I'm going to keep on reading in verse 36. Why did he do it? Scripture says, when he saw the crowds. Hey, look at that. When he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion. He had compassion on him. His heart was broken. His heart was with their heart. He loved them. It's easy to say we love people in word. And that's it. Jesus had compassion, and his heart broke wide open for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. A sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. That's the reason we're here is for the harassed and the helpless. Some of you have been harassed in other different environments. You feel like you're helpless. You have nowhere to go. And we can't be there for you because we're infallible. But I tell you, that means we're broken. We're, we're imperfect. But God can be there for you. Jesus can be there for you. He can be a friend that sticks closer than a brother is what Proverbs says. That's the reason he did it, because they were harassed and helpless, a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus goes on and says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are what? That means they're not many. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. 
this is the part that just, just amazes me. Jesus looks around and he sees all of these people because everybody's harassed and helpless. How many of y'all have been helpless at one time? That's me. How many of y'all have been harassed? <laughs> Maybe even this morning by a spouse. I'm not going to go any farther. Harassed and helpless. All right? And Jesus is saying there is plenty of need. There's plenty of people that need to come to know me. But there's just not enough workers. There's so many opportunities for people to come to into spiritual matters and spiritual dialogue about God, but there's just not enough people to begin that dialogue. There's a we have there's enough children, there's enough all, but there's not enough people. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm just talking about in general. Because God says the need will always, always outweigh the manpower that you have. That's what Jesus is saying. It's biblical. The opportunities are so great for us here in America because so many people are trying to fill that God-shaped hole with stuff, with relationships, with boats, with houses, with sex, with cars, with whatever. And God's saying, the need is so great. The opportunities are so vast. But so many times the American church, the church in general, we twiddle our thumbs and we yell about stuff that really doesn't matter and we argue about the color of the carpet and so many stuff and, and we keep people busy inside the church when Jesus went. Jesus went. He didn't just stay here. He went. He just didn't come to the synagogue. He went out into the towns and villages. And one of the things that I'm really going to be talking about today with our vision and our purpose of one church is we have to go out. We have to go out because that was Jesus' mission. Look at Luke 19.10. This just rocks my world. I'm going to be honest with you. Luke 19.10 says this. For the Son of Man, by the way, that's Jesus, Jesus is talking. Jesus came to what? Seeking to save that which was found, right? No. To seeking to save that which was lost. Seeking to save what was lost. That is the reason why he came. Not just for the found, but mainly for the lost. The lost. Did you know this? 86%. I want you to think about that. 86%. If you got an 86% on a test, what would it be? B. That's right. B, how many of y'all would be happy with a B? In math, I would be happy with a D. All right? But a B is good. All right? 86%. That's a high number, isn't it? That's really high. That's 9 out of 10, right? Listen to the rest of this. 86% of people in Clarksville don't go to church. 86%. That's not a number that I just made up and pulled out of the air. That is a real statistic. 86% of people in Clarksville, in the buckle of the Bible Belt, that's 9 out of 10 people, are at home cleaning their andirons, whatever an andiron is. All right? They're cleaning whatever or they're sleeping in because they don't feel like they have nothing better to do. 86%. And hear me, when we started one church four months ago, we knew that Clarksville just didn't need another church. Some of you who drove here, you probably passed by 11 or 12 churches just to get to the movie theater. We don't need another church where 86% of people don't go. 
I'll tell you what we need, though. We need an environment. We need to create an environment where found people, church people, can invite their unchurched friends and say, hey, maybe you could come with me on Sunday morning. Maybe you could show up. And when they do, they realize it's fun. They realize that it's not the type of church that they came from and they left. They realize, wow, I understand what the dude is saying up front, the talking head. I understand. They... I got to write, that was not in my notes. I got to write that down. That was funny. All right? Um, that's the reason why we started a church. So that you would feel comfortable investing in your friends that you already have, and you invite them. Hey, why don't you come? And when they show up, they're like, wow. You know, I didn't really understand all of it. I thought the music was good. I didn't know the words. But those people, they loved me. They loved my child. And even though I don't, under, I don't know if God exists and I don't know if the Bible's true, I'm going to be back because I had a good time and they loved on me and my kids. That's the reason we're here. So in, as we talk about two things of our purposes, we're going to look back to 2007 and we're going to look forward to 2008. In 2007, we broke some rules. I'm a rule breaker. I'm going to be honest with you. My wife is a rule keeper. How many of y'all are rule keepers? All right? You can't do it that way because it's not right. All right? I, how many of y'all are rule breakers? All right? A whole lot more rule breakers. Going out to the rule breakers. All right? All right? Um, I'm a rebel without a clue. I, I'm telling you, I, I just, you know, if it hasn't been done that way before, let's do it. In 2007, we broke some rules. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we broke some, like, speed limit rules, even though some of y'all did that, all right? But we were, we, were, we were committed to do things differently. We decided to color outside the box and outside the lines. And we decided we're going to do things differently. We're going to break some man-made rules. And it's amazing because Jesus was committed to breaking some man-made rules, wasn't he? In John chapter 5, verse 16, all of these Pharisees, these really religious uppity type people got around and started yelling at Jesus. In fact, this is what it says. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath. What? Let's say it together. All right? Now, these, these Pharisees, these professional religious people, they were creating these rules and they kind of misinterpreted, misapplied it. And they said, you can't do this and you can't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, watch me. I'll break some rules. Some rules are meant to be broken. And Jesus broke that rule. Um, the, I tell you, there was a rule that in Jesus' day that lepers, you couldn't get too close to a leper. So when a, a leper was somebody that has leprosy, that has this skin disease, that things would start falling off because they didn't have any nerve endings. And, I mean, it's just it's a nasty disease. In fact, it's still around. Um, and it's, can, it can be contagious. So when these lepers would walk down the street, they would have to go to the other side of the street if somebody's walking on their side, and they'd have to yell out, Unclean! Unclean! And Jesus says, Uh-uh. You're not unclean. God loves you. And Jesus came up and, and touched their face. Touched the, the knobs on their hands. And Jesus healed them. That 
was a rule that needed to be broken. There was a rule of, of, of Jewish men not being able to, to get close to a prostitute because her being unclean. And Jesus held her face. Of that prostitute and said, is anyone here to stone you? She was caught in the act of adultery and the law said to kill her. And Jesus says, okay, you can kill her, but the first one can throw the stone at her. You don't have any sin. And they're like going, that ain't me. And they drop the stones. And Jesus touched that prostitute and says, I love you. Don't sin anymore. Jesus broke some, he broke some natural rules. He walked on water. All right? He took the loaves and the fishes and he broke them. And it only, it was just small, it fell thousands, it fed thousands of people. He broke some rules. He broke some rules when he picked his disciples. He didn't pick one Pharisee, one person who had great schooling, one scribe. He picked regular fishermen. He picked, he picked regular people. In fact, the Greek word says about them, they were idiotas. That's the Greek. And what does that sound like? You're right! Welcome to one church where you two can be an idiot. All right? Because Jesus didn't pick the smart, he picked the... All right? Who else broke the rules? Martin Luther. Martin Luther in the 1500s, there was a rule that said people cannot own Bibles. Only the preachers can own Bibles. And they had it in a language, Latin. All right? I don't understand Latin. I know Chinese pig Latin. I don't understand Latin. So he says, that's dumb. He says, that's not biblical. And he, with the help of the Gutenberg Press, he printed Bibles in German so that everyone could understand it, and a war broke out. He was almost killed because he chose to break the rules. Who else broke the rules? John Wesley. We've all heard of the Methodist Church, right? John and Charles Wesley founded that. John Wesley... They told John Wesley in England, you're just a little too crazy of a preacher to preach in our churches. You can't preach in our churches. And it was heresy. It was against the rules to not preach in a church. You know what he did? He said, that's dumb. And he went out to his father's grave, stood on his grave, and started preaching. He preached 40,000 sermons. He rode 250,000 miles all over the United States and 150,000 people came to know Jesus Christ. Some of them, your ancestors, because one man chose to break the rules. We are committed to breaking the rules here to say, you know what, we're not going to meet in a church. We're not going to meet in a church building. Some of you ask, when are we going to have a building? I don't know. We, I'm sure eventually we will, but I'm not really worried about that right now. Because Jesus did not die for buildings, he died for people. And this is open on Sunday mornings. There's no movie showing at 8 o'clock. So why not meet here? We chose to break some rules. I want to just pull back the curtain a little bit, and I want to show you some things that we're going to be doing, God willing, in 08, that we have planned and that we've been praying about. The first one is this. We're going to be starting a membership class, probably in February, called Commune. I know many of you have asked, how can I be a member? I was checking my email last night, and I got two people that I'm not emailed back that's wrote on their communication card, I'm interested in being a member. And, um, and we're going to be starting a membership class called Communion. Let me tell you what you're going to be. It's a one-time class, three-hour class, that's going to be held in our new church offices. And uh, you come to this class, and you're going to learn about your spiritual gifts, your personality profile, 
the passion that God has given you, and how you can connect that and be involved in one church. Uh, it's, I've been, literally, I've been working on this for years. And um, I have given it, it actually to some of you to just say, hey, look over it, make sure there's not any spelled words. And my friend Mike, who plays drums, I mean, it looked like his red ink pen just blew up all over it because there were so many misspelled words. But you're going to learn your serve, your spiritual gifts, your experiences, your relational style, your enthusiasm, and your vocational skills. That works if you're dyslexic, because I messed them up. All right. All right. We're going to be starting that in February. And uh, it's, uh, we're going to have some stuff out in the foyer that you can look at, and that's coming, just to let you know. Another thing that's coming is something called Starting Point, and I have a video for this, if you would just roll that beautiful bean footage. You of all people would jump at the chance to at least get some of your questions answered or to watch some guy squirm uncomfortably. Look, I'm not saying... Breaking the rules. Hope y'all are good at reading lips. We're still breaking the rules. I, I'm going to just tell you what it is. Answered or watch some guy squirm uncomfortably. Look, I'm not saying it doesn't sound like fun. I'm just saying it doesn't sound like fun. And besides, what makes you think that I want to sit with a group of people who are trying to convert me? No, it's nothing like that. All right, go ahead and kill it. Let me tell you what starting point is. Starting point is an environment that we're also going to, it's going to, we're going to be doing on Sunday mornings um, for our adults so that you can... You may be brand new to this thing called God and Christ and Christianity and church. And this will give you a starting point. Starting point, and I'll just read this, is a conversational environment. It's not somebody beating you over the head. It's not like a Sunday school environment. It's a conversational environment where people can explore faith and explore community. Um, I, I like that because we're going to be talking about next week. It's just going to give you a couple of rings that you can be able to kind of get up to where you need to be. We're going to do stuff like, this is a Bible, all right? This is your table of contents. Some of you, you may not even have a Bible. We're going to give away Bibles at this. But it's an environment that happens on Sunday morning. We're going to do it at our church offices. It's a 10-week environment that you're going to sit in, and no question is off limits. Hey, what about um, problems in the world? What about evil? You can ask stuff like that. Uh, isn't the Bible just filled with, you know, doesn't it contradict itself? You can ask questions like that. You can ask questions like, what about other religions? If you have these type of questions that nobody's ever given you hard, good answers for, this is for you. It's for starters. It's for somebody who's just coming to know and getting interested in God. It's for seekers. It's for somebody, those are people that's just, they don't even have a relationship with God yet. They're brand new at this. And it's for returners. People that may have been out of church for a while and they're just now coming back. It's for you. And it's a great way that you can get some of your questions answered and doing that in a group where you can experience community. That's what starting point is. And I'll tell you, we've had some great discussions this past week, have we not, about starting point. And we're trying to work out the details of child care and things of that nature. But we want to let you know that's coming. We're looking at doing, starting that in March. Next thing is this, Operation Serve. We're going to be partnering with other churches in this community in September of this year, and we're going to go out and we're going to build, we're going to paint, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to give back to our community. 
And if you know people that need help with yard work or, or need help with construction or whatever, we want to go out to the needy and we want to serve them. We want to be able to do that, and that's our plan for September. Also, another thing is we're looking at, beginning sometime in 2008, going to multiple services. You and I both know that sometimes it's difficult to find a place to sit in here, and we're always having to ask you to scoot together. One of the main reasons we're wanting to go to multiple services is for our child care workers. How many of you all currently work and, and you do sometime, something with children, and you're on a rotation? Praise God for you. I want to say thank you you very much nothing is more important than our children and by going to two services you can serve and still go to a service now there's going to be struggles for that i mean movies start showing at noon <laughs> so we're going to have to be creative with our times but that's something that we're praying for and, and planning that you can be partnering with us that's some of the breaking the rules but let's look at what's happening in 2008 in 2008, we're planning and we're going to believe that God, God, nothing is impossible with God. We're going to believe God for the impossible. We're going to absolutely believe God in the impossible. Mark chapter 10, verse 27 says this, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, with man, this is impossible. But with God, what does it say? All things are possible with God. All. How big is all? It's big. All things are impossible. I want you to, I want to ask two questions. This first, who are who is somebody that you don't think will ever come to Christ? Who is somebody you don't think will ever come to church? Who is somebody that you don't think will ever enter into a relationship with God? Who are they? You got their minds? You got their names in their in your head? We're praying and we're trusting that they will come. Jesus in 2008. We're going to be partnering with you prayerfully, and we're going to equip you and encourage you to invest in their life and to invite them to hear. And we're going to be astonished and amazed because with us, everything is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. And not only that, one of the things that I'm so thankful for more than anything is since September, in, in, on these uh, communication cards, on the back it says, I am interested in, and the first checkbox is beginning a relationship with Jesus. Over 50 people since September have checked that. I am interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the reason we're here. That's so important. But there's more to be had. I want to set up this clip of a movie from The Guardian. It's about uh, Coast Guard rescue swimmers and uh, uh, Kevin Costner, Ben Randall, is a very seasoned Coast Guard rescue swimmer. And everybody's thinking, okay, how many people has he really saved? 200? 300? 400? They just don't know. And he never, ever tells them. Well, he's getting ready to retire. And he gets, sets down and he tells Aston Kutcher the number. So let's watch that. Could have happened, any. Maybe. But what if it happens again? What then? He got a couple stitches. He's gonna be fine. You got him out of there. No, you did. We're strong out there today. 
I was proud of you. What are you going to do? A friend of mine once suggested fishing. I think I might take his advice. Guys like us don't go fishing. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? Senior, before you go, I gotta know one thing. What's your real number? Twenty-two. It's not bad. It's not 200. It's not 22 is the number of people I lost, Jake. Only number I kept track of. Keeps the sea out of your mouth. I will tell you, there are more people that need to enter into a relationship with God. They're your friends. They're your family. They're people who are working on base with you. There are people who are working at your job. Who, are, who is the person whom you're asking God for God to break into their life and for them to give their heart to God. The second thing is, what are you trusting God will never do? I want to end today's service by just sharing with you my dream. This is something I sat down and I, I wrote out months, maybe even years ago about one church. And I just want to share it with you as we close. This is where I see us in the future. I see a community. I see people beyond measure. I see culture of faith, hope, and love where people come to believe, truly belong, and start to become. I see Christ. I see His hands, His feet, His eyes, and His tears. I see people who have entered into the kingdom of God and discovered what it means to live in their everyday lives. God. I see a day where every soul in Clarksville is just one friend away from one church community. This is my dream. I see a caring community. I see a place where everyone matters and no one stands alone. I see authenticity and acceptance. I see thousands of people in community groups who live by the principles know and be known, accept and be accepted, love and be loved. I see people doing their lives together and not apart. I see firsthand the power of honesty and strength in togetherness. I see dirty, scary neighborhoods transformed by the love of a single community group. I see a soldier's wife whose husband is deployed being loved in by our community group. I see men from one church who are able to step in and love another soldier's kids who's away fighting to protect our freedoms. I see a community group come together and do yard work and construction on a deployed soldier's house to the family who needs love and care. I see sharing. I see houses that are shared. I see shared food and clothes. 
shared time and money. I see a culture where everything is viewed as a kingdom tool and held loosely with grateful hands. I see children playing together and learning from their parents together an example of what it means to live in a caring community. I see isolated people connected with friends with whom they now do life together. I see a grown man weep for his sins for the first time, and I watch his friends hold him. I see an elderly woman laugh for the first time in years as she covers her mouth and her eyes fill with joy. I see people's lives transformed by the greatest healing force in the universe, the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Healing drug addicts, healing alcoholics, healing egotists, healing sex addicts, healing people, healing sinners. I see a day where every soul in Clarksville must personally choose loneliness over community because they have been bombarded with the love from this local church and from at every turn and in every neighborhood. This is my dream. I see an expressive community, people who richly express their love and their hearts to God. I see creativity, song, art, imagination, freedom, mystery, and prayer melt in a mosaic of worship. I see people on their knees. I see people in worship that is deep, passionate, and intense and original. I see dramatic sketches that are funny, emotive, and targeted. I see our children singing songs and dancing together and learning hand motions who go home and teach their parents who don't go to church what they have learned and who together, for the first time, start singing songs to God together. I see grown men and women discovering what it means to really worship. I see accountants and lawyers behind easels. I see algebra teachers reading poetry. I see artists swinging hammers to build homes in Africa. I see a carpenter giving water to a homeless child in China. I see mystery. I see story. I see creativity. I see beauty. This is my dream. I see a serving community where we take the community that we are experiencing and turn it outwards. I see sweat and I see tears. I see calloused hands that resemble the hands of Christ. I see workers and builders and advocates. I see the poor esteemed, the elderly revered, and the youth protected. I see truckloads of clothes and sandwiches for the homeless. I see a house that is 24-7 open to the poor and to the abused. I see people learning together how to trust. I see an abandoned elderly lady dying in the arms of a changed and redeemed bigot. I see millionaires living on a teacher's salary. I see the rich housing the poor. I see a village in Africa among the Bisa people group where doctors and nurses and teachers and soldiers from one church serving there every year. I see the children of one church as grown-ups. And when I look at them, I see missionaries and ministers and risk-takers for the kingdom of God. I see a day when one church has multiple campuses overseas so that when soldiers and their families get orders to go to Germany, Japan, or Korea, one church is already there. That we are literally one church meeting in multiple locations. I see one church planting multiple churches here in the Clarksville area that we're focusing on building communities and not buildings. I see one church where we send our staff and our people out to plant other churches in Oak Grove, in Dover, in Fort Campbell, in Hopkinsville, in Sango. This is my dream. 
I see a radical community. I see missions loud and clear, a timeless revolutionary, as Jesus says, follow me. I see people on a journey where they are loved across the line of faith. They start to grow. They become extreme about their faith. I see people who follow Jesus wherever he goes. I see people who are filled with passion in their souls. That wild-eyed gratification of wanting more of God. I see people who know how to laugh and to do so so often. I see a man who gives up a secure job to go back to school to pursue his passion. I see a girl who takes a year off from college to go a serve overseas on the mission field. I see a man who leaves the corporation that he started behind because the work is killing his soul. I see people giving up possessions for people who have none. I see people who are filled with awe, astonishment, and amazement. I see people who are known for the radical dr- love. This is my dream. I see a growing community. I see aged parents on their knees thanking God for the return of their prodigal. I see an ex-prostitute sharing her newfound faith with her drug-dealing boyfriend. I see thousands of people baptized on one night. I see people who are formerly unreached across the globe who've never, ever once heard of Jesus look back at one church in Clarksville and say, thank you. An entire community has been saved because of God and His faithfulness in you. I see Christ with a hammer in heaven, working feverishly at a feverish pace as He has one eye on Clarksville to keep up with those who are coming to faith daily in Him. I see the end. I see all of us in heaven, in this celestial chamber, where we hear Him speak the words, Well done good and faithful church. You were trusted with a little, now you will be in charge of much. Enter into your reward. And I see your face there. You're smiling. You have tears of joy. You're rested. You're fulfilled. We look around the room together at thousands of people who might have faced a bitter eternity without our effort and we weep for joy. At the same time, we both say the same thing. As we look into each other's eyes, we both mouth the words together. It was worth it. The work that we did, it was worth it. Look at the people. No, look at Jesus. That is my dream. Now the question is, That's a picture. But do you see it? Do you want to be involved in a church like that? Do you want to be able to stand up and say, I will link arms with other people so that people who don't know God, that 86%, that we can invite them, we can invest in them, and we will be Jesus to them. If that's what you want, that's your desire then let's do that now. Let's seek God and let's stand together now because nothing more is important is now. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, I pray that that is just more than words. Lord, that the picture that you placed on our hearts
I'm so reminded of the verse in Jeremiah. It says, whatever you dream, my dream is so much more bigger. Whatever you hope for, I can give you a whole much more than that. And Lord, we come with palms outstretched, wanting a dream, wanting you, nothing less than you. And Lord, I pray, it just might, I pray, Lord, that one church needs to decrease in some people's minds and Jesus increase because it is all about you, Jesus. It's not about anything but you. Lord, we love you, and I praise you. And it's in Jesus' wonderful, awesome name that we pray. Amen.